Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Happy Saturday and welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin and it's season one, episode five of WandaVision that is on deck today. Joining me, Dave Potter, Greg Lent, and Scott Avansky. Good morning, guys. Where the hell is Nico? (laughs) More importantly, why do we call this season one of WandaVision? Are we really that sure there's going to be a season two? It just seems like a one-off. It's like season one of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, even Disney Plus is calling it season one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just follow Bob Iger's lead. You just got whatever Bob says. Bob that's what we do around here on you, this you, show. You got to start somewhere. So this is just the beginning. Um, but I, I think I agree. Where, where are we going to go after this, Dave? I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not even sure know. where we are right now. <laughs> I have an idea where we could go. How about to the X-Men? Oh, am I bearing the lead there? Maybe I'm. Oh bearing... God damn it! No, you're, I haven't you're seen the show the yet, Steve. You're <laughs> jumping right to the third act. All right, guys, let's dive in. Wandavision episode five. Um, there is a lot to cover here, and we're gonna we're gonna try to pack in as much as we can. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try to pack in as much information <laughs> as we you can. One of us to jump in with something snarky there, and we didn't. <laughs> If Guys. we hadn't exhausted the punchlines for that kind of double entendre in the pre-show, <laughs> believe me, we would have jumped all over that. Yeah. Well, guys, we are into the 80s for sure with the Family Ties style opening sequence. Family Ties and Growing Pains, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, there's some Growing Pains in there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Those, those two shows aped each other on their, their opening styles. Yeah. And we yeah. had the sort of the cold open uh, before the credits, which I think was a Family Ties uh, uh, approach as well. Um, if I remember, right. it's been a long time since I watched that show, but one of the things that jumped out at me in the opening sequence, what was the, the creepy pictures of vision as a kid? Are, <laughs> they were, that they are, were a little bizarre that are being created. Uh, you know, obviously I think we can say it in Wanda's head because obviously <clears throat> vision was never a kid. Did that jump out at you guys at all? Well, well it, wait, wait, wait. you mean the cold open or you mean just the opening, like, Opening credits, the WandaVision theme song. Well, you have you have the cold open. Yeah. Them trying to get the babies to sleep, right? And then the credits occur, and so this is during the credits they're showing baby pictures of Wanda and Vision. But you're blipping over the first creepy moment. All right. You're jumping right to the the credits, and the first creepy moment was Agnes suddenly acknowledging that they're they're filming a TV show. Yeah. Agnes breaks character to say. Well, first, Vision's like, wait, is there something wrong here? And then Agnes is like, wait, that's not the script. Do you want to just take it from the top? Which is exactly what an actor or actress would do if somebody flubs a line. They would look at everybody else and be like, do we just do we just start from the top? And it's like a a deference moment to Wanda that may be a red herring. It's a deference moment to Wanda, like, you're in control here. This is your show. Dave, Dave, I think you're jumping over one more incredible thing was the awesome a, uh, hair job that uh, Vision had on this one, that brilliant 80s <laughs> oh. kind of middle down the yeah. road. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, what's even better is this is what I uh, God, What is the actress's name? Catherine Hahn, who plays yeah. her? Yeah. yeah. She is so brilliant She's, in this moment yeah. because it's not just 
the let's take it from the top moment, but it's the the looking at Vision while he's interrupting that scene. And I love her confusion when that's happening. Oh my god! So does your cat? Yeah, it's okay. You guys take it for a second. I'm going to mute this. What was I forgot that was in the cold open, and you're absolutely right, Dave. Um, I I thought my take on that was, is that suggesting that you know she's act Agnes is acting on her own volition there. She, so Wanda isn't quite in control of everything. No, she, she is not. And I think it's also a, another cue to us that we're, we're in a different phase now. Right. So we went through, you know, the act one, the act one of the arc of the show where the sitcom stuff was just very straight on. And that was all we saw every episode. We began act two with episode four, which was completely Mm -hmm. outside you know, showing what's happening outside of Westview. Now we're continuing that, and so they're going to jump back and forth between the outside Westview story and the inside Westview story. And right. inside Westview, people are starting to wake up a little bit. Vision is definitely starting to wake up. Agnes may not have ever been asleep. And we, if you just watch the pacing and beat of this show, it's very different. It's not the straight-ahead sitcom thing that, that we've gotten for the first, uh, first three go-arounds here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The other the other piece uh, or the other moment in the cold open was, you know, Wanda tries to silence the babies crying with her powers and her powers don't work on the babies. What was the significance of that? She has no control. Actually, Agnes says it later. She has no control over the kids and uh, which is one of her lines after she's looking for the booze later. Um, Mm. And I, I think that's because they're actually real. Um, there is, this is so hard to talk about because of the whole house of M storyline and and how those kids are not real, but then they're real and how they're fragments of a soul of Mephisto and is it Mephisto? I think it's Mephisto, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're actual real beings, but they can seemingly age on cue. They're not something that's under Wanda's control, basically. Right. They're not real in that sense. And, and they, they get around to kind of explaining it later in the episode and we'll jump and they do it with the, with. Monica shooting at her pants and realizing that her Kevlar vest has been turned into a 70s costume. So what she manifests turns into something real. And this is the first hint of that you see with the kids. She can't Mm -hmm. control them. And then leading into what Scott says, you know, you can't children, you can't control them because they are actual, you know, even though she's manifested them with her powers, she's turned them into real beings is what she's done. Yeah. They they are actually living beings based off of you know based off with their with their own free will, but created at from Wanda's powers. And since we know that their names are Tommy and Billy, we know that they're uh, is it Wiccan and Speed? Is yes. there yeah? So one of them has the same powers as Wanda, or very similar powers. So the aging up process where you see both of them doing it later on in the show, that's actually just one of them doing it to both of the kids at the same time. Got it. Got it. All right. So let's jump ahead a little bit to um, Monica Rambo's interrogation after she she's they're testing her to see what's going on with her to see if there are any changes in her physically. The uh, the MRI machine or whatever scanner they put her in doesn't work. The results are blank. Um, she, I found that very interesting <laughs> because, you know, Dave dropped a hint a couple of a couple of weeks ago when when Monica's first ejected from Westview that she's still glowing and maybe she's imbued with powers at that point. Um, and she's also she spent a lot of time off world 
you know, as part of her sword responsibilities, and maybe something it, 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 which is there. alluded to. They haven't actually said it, but they've alluded to she's been off planet. Well, mm-hmm. also the scan is um, it's it's like an X ray, right, or uh, MRI that's kind of scanning over the top of her, right? So there is some radiation issues there, and it, since that's the, the whole thing with CMBR is the concept of the the hex that they're in. Um, so I, I I thought this I, was oh go ahead yeah I got to jump in there so. It, turn, it may turn out that the hex that you're referencing, the hexagon shape that we're seeing throughout, everybody's been interpreting that as maybe as a sign of Mephisto. It, it, at this point, probably wasn't. Wanda's powers for years, for years in the comic book, were called a hex. hex She's hex able hour. to manipulate right. probabilities. She casts a, a hex is, yeah. is the spell. And they've massaged it and tweaked it to expand that over the years. But when they were like, oh, she, you're in the hex. I'm like, oh, my God, you're in. Wanda's power. You're in the yes, Scarlet yes. Witch's power. Yes. So I was like, we have apparently been interpreting the clues the wrong way. It's just a clever allusion to a comic book, pow- an outdated comic book mm-hmm. power reference. It's it's actually not. It's a great point, Dave. But here's where it gets confusing. In all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the symbol of a hex has been used all over the place. And one of them are, uh, somebody mentioned this, the portals that they use to jump through space are in the shape nice. of hexes. Yeah, like so, in Guardians, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's really like literally throughout the entire Marvel Universe or Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's what I found funny. But yes, hex. Also, another thing I just didn't realize until re-watching the show a uh, second or third time was nobody's ever made mention, because of the line that's said later on um, about any funny names or aliases, nobody's yeah. actually named her Scarlet Witch. Well, and, and I was going to jump in when you said you referenced her as the Scarlet Witch, Dave. And and Hayward, I think it says during the debrief, he says, so there's no funny nickname, uh, no alias. And, of course, you know, all the fans are yelling Scarlet Witch. But, you know, she's not been named that yet, which is interesting. Right. And, I know, only... and that was that yeah. was so it was so heavy handed. It was almost like that scene in Wayne's yeah. World where where he turns to the camera and is like, wow, that was a surprising amount of information that that security guard had. I wonder if that'll come in handy later on. <laughs> yeah, there, there exactly. is one reference to him uh, to her when she's more of the villain in Age of Ultron. I think Tony Stark, when he's put under her spell, says that little witch yeah. put something on me or, or messed with my head or something like that. So that's the now, only reference to which for Scarlet Witch throughout the entire series. So, And so during that same debrief, Hayward is sort of setting her up as the villain, which I think comes into play later. But he says, now we know for sure Wanda is the principal victimizer, um, which, of course, I think sets up his justification for trying to blow her up later when they send the drone in. Yeah, but but is she? I mean, and well, is she the primary victimizer? <laughs> and yeah. is he really a good guy? Like the, the tension oh, yeah. that's there between Monica and the director. I don't think that's accidental and I don't think that's situational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> so uh, one thing before I, we. Uh, well, I don't know if ahead, he's the, the, the big bad guy, though. I think he's just, you know, they, they've yes. kind of yeah. made a cottage cottage industry of making these, you know, heavy handed. um authority figures and it, it's kind of getting tiresome and I kind of had to roll my eyes a little bit because and, and I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit but would you seriously have your stealth operation to fly a drone in and not tell the person operating that that's that it's armed right. and has 
or ordinance attached to it. Would you really do that? <laughs> I would say likely not. Um, and before we jump, and, and 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 even more so, if you're going to attack the Scarlet Witch, you can you can expect a certain response at this point. But if you're going to attack her kids who were standing right next to her when he launched the ordinance, like what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. like for real. What did you what do you think is going to happen when you attack a mother's child in front of the mother? And, and Dave, I'm I'm with you on this. I'm agreeing with your argument. But let's also remember, I'm not defending him, but he is looking at it at everything inside there is either under her spell or made up because those kids just appeared out of nowhere. They weren't there. And there are no other kids in the place. So Again, not defending him, but you're right. I mean, the fact that there are kids present, why would he just go, go ahead and put yeah. weapons on that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we jump ahead into the second and third act, I, I, I want to stick on this the, the, the portion where they're having the briefing and they're figuring out what's going on with Wanda. Wanda is sort of playing God, uh, and and particularly after we the the reveal that she had stolen Vision's body. So I, let's stick on that for a second because this whole time in the show, and not knowing the background of the comics, not knowing what's possible, um, I was thinking, well, this is all a figment of her imagination. She's making all of this stuff up to placate her sorrow and her, you know, the losses that she suffered. But so now we have Monica saying, no, the furniture and everything in there is real. You can touch mm -hmm. it. It's physical. She st has stolen the vision's body and resuscitated him against his wishes because he didn't want anyone to be able to use his body as a weapon. So, so what really is going on there with Wanda's, um, is she playing God? Is this her imagination? What are we to think about the reality that is this place that's called Westview? Well, she's obviously deeply, deeply grieving. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, that's just the most blatant thing. Now, whether it, the grief has caused her to go completely crazy is one thing, or whether she is, you know, just crazy enough that that there's an outside force to push her over the edge to to mm -hmm. do all this stuff is, is. I mean, that's that's the big question. Um, but I, you know, as as far as Vision's body, you know, Dave mentioned it last week. Um, or maybe it was two weeks ago, and, and that she sees when you know when when she sees Vision come back, and it's the zombie Vision, uh, the zombie version of the Vision. Um, that's what reality is, and it's just her powers that are masking what's there. So her grabbing that body and and reanimating it doesn't change the fact that he's still dead. Okay. And reassembling it, and so that footage of her sealing it, the body, that was actually supposed to be a cut scene. For Avengers Endgame, a, a post-credit sequence. Mm -hmm. It was it was filmed as such, but they decided wisely not to use it. They were like, "Endgame's the end. We're just gonna let it go. And there, there's nothing that comes after it." And two, there were a couple of shots there that are almost direct, direct steals from the John Byrne Vision Quest story in uh, West Coast Avengers. And I almost, which was I almost, awesome. looked, I almost looked up the panels <laughs> and sent him out because I knew, I, Greg, I know you love that run. And I was like, there, there's a couple frames here that are just exact replication of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, just okay. the body being splayed out like that being one of them where it's all laid out on separate tables. Well, and, and Greg, you use the term is there's is there an outside force that's that's driving this? And to jump to the third act and the the sort of standoff between Vision and Wanda really quick, Wanda says, I, I'm I'm I didn't do this. I didn't create this, or I don't know how this started, something like that. 
And I thought that's a huge clue. Like she's just been so, sort of dropped into this somehow. There, there are a couple other things throughout, right? So one, she uses her powers in front of Agnes, and Agnes doesn't ever seem to notice. And oh, well, right. if, if you'll notice, if you'll notice in the episode, both when Agnes broke character and then when she uses her powers in front of Agnes, mm-hmm. Wanda is defending Agnes and kind of directing away from her. So is Agnes actually controlling things or is Agnes a, a cat's pawn for who really is controlling what's going on? The other interesting question that I just want to pose is. So that great sequence where Wanda comes out of the barrier and throws the drone down at the director's feet. Right. Is that actually Wanda? Right? Oh, we so don't ever see Wanda on camera walk towards the barrier or take the drone. It's just suddenly appears there. How do we know that that isn't the the actual big bad entity uh, manifesting itself as Wanda? There's also a fun little allusion to an X-Men movie in that sequence because Magneto in, uh, I think it was Days of Future Past, actually makes the cops all turn their guns on the person who's actually in charge. Yes. And Wanda does that here. Well, guess, that, that goes back to the very first X-Men movie where where Magneto actually physically grabs all the guns and points them at the cops that are chased, that are, yeah. that are going after them. And then so, quick, quick, quick fact check. Magneto is the Scarlet Witch's father yes. in the comic books yes in the comic books yes okay and, they were, and, they were not, and it, in the and in the x-men universe and yes. in the x-men universe because because the the whole last movie which well no the the not not the dark phoenix one the one before that the apocalypse one um there's a whole um you know secondary plot about Mag- about quicksilver wanting to talk to magneto about being his father yeah yeah um I got, I got to jump back in. I got really quickly <clears throat> pulled away. But Dave, real quick, with the thing about Wanda and using her powers in front of Agnes, go back and rewatch. I'm almost certain that she never is actually looking at her while she's doing the, like the one in the kitchen mm. when Vision confronts her about it. She's kind of down on her knees, like taking care of the puppy when she mm-hmm. conjures up the, the leash in midair. And Vision's like, what are you doing? I thought we were supposed to be hiding this. And if you look, she's actually not looking at the moment. I still think there's a big thing right there that's happening. Um, well, that sort of sets up Wanda Vision saying, what aren't you telling me? I thought we were hiding this from yeah, people. There's it, something you're not telling me. It's yeah. just the, the timing of where Agnes is. And Vision even notes like how she always seems to show up right with what's needed at the moment that it's needed. Like, oh, we just got a dog. Hey, she walks in with a doghouse. Mm. Yeah. I love her excuse on that, too, is like, oh, look what just appeared through your window. I got you a (laughs) doghouse. I know. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just they go out of their way to call some attention to Agnes and then kind of try to redirect you away from it. Like, you know, sleight of hand, close up magic or something. Here's Mm -hmm. here's another funny thing about Agnes, too. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the show when she shows up to help out with the the twins, um, she says a couple things like she says something about having a few tricks up her sleeve again reference to either like she has before little subtle hints to the devil or magic tricks or witchcraft but she also there's a moment when they cut back to her while she's taking care of the kids and doing jazzercise she's putting what i think is a hex on them or working something with them because she's spraying lavender over them and lavender is a a very common um well in her case like it's a liquid but an herb that they use for certain uh, potions and spells. 
So one of them is a healing potion or a protection potion. And if we know the history of those kids, there could be some connection to what we've seen in the comics with Mephisto and the, their souls. Maybe it won't get to the point where they actually become extensions of his arm, like in the comics. But there could be a, a fact, like fractions of his soul in there that she's trying to cast out of them. Mm. So I'm curious how she is going to be a bigger player in this. I really do think it's Agne, um, Agatha Harkness. And Steve, you I think everybody jump... does at this point. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't, th- I don't think we're turning over any any surprise cards there for for anybody by saying it's Agatha Harkness. But yeah. Steve, you kind of blipped over a, a scene <laughs> on the outside that, that had a couple interesting bits in it. One, yeah. and it's where uh, Monica and uh, Darcy and uh, Wu are all talking and brainstorming yes, stuff. Yes, that's huge. And at There's one point, there. they bring up Captain Marvel, and you'll notice that uh, Monica kind of slides right past it and i thought well that's interesting you'd think she'd be enthusiastic to talk about aunt carol but she clearly wasn't and didn't want to talk about her so it made me wonder what happened what's happened since then why are they on the outs it's not even for captain marvel too but the other big thing (laughs) is she says oh we need a good arrow arrow you know technical engineer i know somebody who could that be who could that be so Reed Richards would be the obvious choice as an introduction for the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But there are a couple other rumors, uh, not rumors, but theories floating around out there that one, it would be uh, the guy who is a character called the Blue Marvel. And I forget his name off the top of my head because I'm not terribly familiar with the character, but he was an aerospace engineer in the comics. And the other would be uh, Riri, the young lady who goes on to play a female Iron Man. Ironheart, oh. and that is a series that's already been announced and a part that has already been cast. Riri. Oh. Wow. Oh, Riri. Oh, really? And it was just interesting because I'm like, okay, it could be Reed Richards because there was that idea like, oh, there are astronauts that have been up in space since then. That could be an homage to the Fantastic Four. And there was a very obscure reference in the credits of one of the episodes to a, a fake director character named uh, Babs, Babs Digby. That is a reference to a 1940s uh, serial comic strip that had the catchphrase, what a revolt in development, which is any longtime fan of the Fantastic Four will know a catchphrase of Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. Yeah. So are they getting that meta just to mess with us or are they getting that meta because they're planting seeds for things? Oh, I think they're messing with us because everything in this show is unbelievably something there for a reason, or somebody said something. Like the moment when Agnes says, you, uh, uh, her husband, who we have not seen, which has a lot we need to talk about, but she mentions, uh, he can't, he's, she's using the lavender, and she says, he, um, God, what's his name? Um, Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, yes. Ralph uses, uses this on me every night, but you can't tame this tiger, and the next scene, there's a statue of a tiger on their kitchen table yeah. that wasn't there the scene before. Wow. So I found that very huh. interesting. Um, I didn't catch that at all. Dave, also on your point about Monica, when she says that, when she does that moment, when she turns away, she actually says, yeah, we're not talking about her right yeah. now. That's what I'm I saying. She's like, she's, yeah, she's right, like right. very much like, no, we're moving it's, on. Yeah, it's and cold. You think, <laughs> yeah, you think she'd be very like, hey, that's my Aunt Carol. I've known her since I was 10. Yeah. I did yeah. love the nod to to her power, though, because in that same conversation, which there's so much to unpack in like this two and a half minute uh, sequence with Monica, Darcy and Wu, she says, um, well, she could have taken out Thanos on her own. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it, there wasn't that big surge. And then uh, Wu's the one that says, oh, well, 
Captain Marvel came close or something like that. And then she kind of like, oh, we're not talking about her. So, yeah, that was really peculiar. Um, Interesting. There's another scene that I want to touch on, guys, and that is when um, Wanda is consoling the kids about the death of the dog. And um, she says, oh, and we need to talk about the significance of the dog as well. I, I'm not sure if there is, but I'm sure you guys can tell me if, if there is a significance to Sparky. There is. I'm, I'm sure Greg picked up on it. Yeah. Well, well let's go there first. Why, what, is, what does Sparky represent and why is he important? So, it, and I don't know how important he's going to be to the rest of this series, but it's a direct reference to a series about the vision specifically from only about three or four years ago by Tom King. And it's really, really good, actually. It's really good. And they have a dog. Um, vision, you know, for the short story is Vision makes his own synthesoid family. And so he's got a wife, he's got two kids and a dog and the dog's name is Sparky. And it looks exactly like the dog on the TV show, except for the fact that the dog in, in the comic book is green. Oh, yeah. interesting. And, and, and a robot. And a synthesoid. A synthesoid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, Sparky in, in this episode dies and uh, pretty quickly, actually. And the, the twins are begging her to resurrect the dog. Oh, come on, mommy, please. And she says, the urge to run from this feeling is powerful. I know there are rules in life. So this is the one that's manipulating everything, telling her kids now there are rules. We can't rush aging just because it's convenient. And we can't reverse death no matter how sad it makes us. Some things are forever. So is she being a hypocrite here because she's resuscitated vision? Or what is what is going on with this little speech she gives the well, kids? I, I think it leads to what... I think it leads to the argument that she's being controlled because she knows it's wrong and she's trying to, you know, even though subconsciously she knows she's being controlled, she's she's trying to convey this to her kids that that um, it's not right. And what's happening around there is is actually unnatural, um, not in a Jedi sort of way. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to jump in on that. <laughs> we gotta, I'm going to let gotta, you, Scott. We got a countdown on this. There's more to it than that, Steve. There's a lot going on in this scene because this is also another breaking character moment for Agnes. But here's the other catch, too. The kids say something. The kids say uh, something about she did it with, was it dad or with Vision that she brought him back from the dead? And Agnes says, you can do that? Mm. And that is not part okay. of the the, the um the script, obviously, you can see that moment right there. Um, I, I thought that was a very fascinating moment to see how she does break that out um, w- based on all the rules and stuff. Sorry, I got I got sidetracked and lost. So you guys pick it up. No, no it's fine. It's fine. Um, I think Agnes killed the dog de- deliberately, but that's a whole different conversation. And we're on a time limit here. <laughs> yeah. who is it Vision that picks up the dog from behind no, the bush? Or? It's Agnes. Agnes. Oh, it's Agnes. Agnes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's just so much happening. Um, I, so let's jump to the confrontation between vision and Wanda. Um, they are clearly on different sides of what might be the same coin, but they're arguing about what's happening. Go ahead, Dave. And, and before we get to that argument, if you'll notice it, Wanda tries to cut the argument off by starting the credits rolling and vision stops the credits from rolling. Like, again, we're, we're breaking outside of the traditional sitcom format that we've had here as the people of Westview start to fight back against what's going on. But, yes, then we get into their, their arguments. Sorry. I just oh. – I love that bit so much. Yeah. Well, that's, that's okay. And, and um, 
transparency here. I don't have the the copy from that argument. I I didn't take notes. But what I want to jump to is that they they make up the doorbell rings and visions going. Oh, you're making that happen to like cut this off again? And she's like, no, I'm not in control. I'm not doing that. And they go to open the door. And who's at the door? Her brother. But the wrong brother. But the, the wrong, wrong brother. Yeah. <laughs> From the wrong franchise. <laughs> yeah. And so this brings up to me something that was, uh, I, I jotted down quickly. Uh, I can't remember which one of you said it, but X-Men Universe versus Avengers Universe. And is it is it the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver that are that bridge? I'm asking yes. the question. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. And okay. Oh, oh, can I? Uh, first of all, real quick. Yes. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> don't. Say, Mr. Cotter. Mr. No. Cotter, when you <laughs> just just go, I'll, I'll jump in with a million thoughts in the last jump one in. minute. So go go. Um, uh, yes, that is a big thing. First of all, Steve, they didn't make up. They were interrupted. She was just yeah. in an expl- uh, explanation mode with Vision after their almost moment where they're going to have a battle, which was amazing. Yes. Um, both start to levitate. And they, I mean, she had full on Scarlet Witch powers coming out of her hands right there. So, um, but I she found- didn't look as angry as the Scarlet Witch that manifested outside of Westview. Go that ahead. That's true. That is true. That's, That's a true. good point. Um, and then come down after she kind of says something to Vision. That's when the doorbell rings, and he's still accusing her of controlling this moment, even though she does confess that she doesn't know how this all got started. So that's what that, which leads to our surprise guest. So uh, real quick for for Steve here. So Fox owned the X-Men and anything mutant related. Marvel owned the Avengers, right? So quick Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were mutants and therefore could be used in the X-Men franchise because Fox owned everything mutants. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were also Avengers, so they could be used in any Avengers movie, which they were at basically the same time when, um, was it Days of Future Past was the first one with Quicksilver? Mm -hmm. When Days of Future Past and Age of Ultron came out within two years of each other. I think yeah. maybe in the same year even. And so I they think were, so. Yeah. So there were two different Quicksilvers that mm-hmm. same year, Evan Peters in the Fox version and the Aaron Taylor Roger Thomas kid it, from the uh, from Age of Ultron. And, and I'm and, trying to remember if that was a reason why she's never been called the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers universe. I'm trying to remember if there was something to do with the, the naming rights, like X-Men, only X-Men could use Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and, and they weren't mutants. They were created with the power of the of the rea- reality stone or the mind stone? Mind Which stone. One? Mind when stone. They, were, they were created with, the, their powers were given to them through the mind stone yeah. uh, by Baron Strucker, and in, in the X-Men universe, they're the son of Magneto. Right. Yeah, and doesn't um, Monica reference that earlier in the episode? She says, well, how did he, how did she... Uh, you know, resuscitate vision without the mind stone. And they're like, Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I have to say real quick, that shot, that over the shoulder shot of Quicksilver where you mm-hmm. see the gray hair, that's actually yeah. very reminiscent of the panel where Magneto walks in and introduces himself and reveals himself as the Scarlet Witch's father back in uh, vision of the Scarlet Witch volume one issue four. Yeah. I just saw it. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a nod to that that moment. They're just messing with us. So not only that, which is a great pull, Dave, but also when you do get the final reveal, his accent changes a lot. 
But the colors he's wearing on the shirt, the Hawaiian shirt, are the colors of the Marvel Universe or Marvel Cinematic Universe Quicksilver, not his character from the X-Men franchise. So I love the point that they get, they call out that she's recasting the role of Pietro and he's wearing a very, it's not the same outfit, but a similar color scheme as the one from the Avengers. Well, what I think it leads back to is that you can't bring something back from the dead and her brother is dead, dead, dead. And real the, dead, not snapped, not, not flipped. Yeah, yeah real yeah. dead. And Quicksilver in the X-Men universe is not dead. So she was able to reach across dimensions and pull him over. That's my guess. And another funny moment too is like a previous episode when all the townspeople are trying to get her pregnant by putting that thought into her head about for the children. You might want to rephrase that, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Putting the idea of her getting pregnant by saying those little subliminal things about the children, her children are the ones that bring up the concept of the brother. Um, like, don't do, do you yeah. have any brothers or, or do you have any siblings or whatever? Um, I just found that really cool. If we really do have that much time, not that much time left, I have to go back to one of the biggest. You thought that was the big reveal? I am going to show you the big reveal. You guys clearly jumped over it and missed it. 45 seconds, go. I can't do this fast enough. Uh, this one's for Steve, but this one is definitely for Dave. Please tell me you saw the reference to the Black Talent. Did anyone see that? Crickets. Dave. Crickets. No. <laughs> Seriously, my God. Uh, Where was it? Where was the reference? I, I, I spent all last episode talking about the Black Talent, and you're coming in here now with this. <laughs> I, I, you guys go over this stuff so fast. I was trying to get it in at the beginning of the, <laughs> the show. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> this has been no. a yeah, quick come, episode. Come, Man, come back next stop. week, same bat time, same bat channel. We'll talk all about the Black Talent. Look what you yeah. guys do. No, no, no. It's right here. It's right Call here. Call us at 562-455-4483 and tell us what we missed. Thanks, guys. Oh, there's. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Guys, have a great week. And may the Force be with you and with us all. That's a turkey outfit, not a chicken outfit. God damn it. It's close enough. And you guys are so difficult that, to get those things in. It's too that hard. That was to in the opening credits, right? Yes, that was in the opening credits. Yes, yes. I did see that, and I'd forgotten that I saw it. And I would I, not have picked up on it if it weren't for Dave and um, his magic... Um, <laughs> memory and sharing with me what he shared last week. Hold so, on. So yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that for each of these episodes, they, they, they've created a brand new theme song. That's era specific for each of the shows. Yeah. But the one from yesterday was the longest fucking song. I, I was like, is this like the extended dance mix version of this song? Because it went on forever. That song yeah. did. It, it did. But I, I was like, this is actually pretty solid work. Yeah. If for yeah. sending up a, an oh. 80s schmaltzy sitcom theme song, I'm like, this is actually pretty solid work. Oh, my oh God. they're just nailing the genres I, each week. They're just I just wanted it. it to end. It I so... wanted it to end. <laughs> it, it, it's a total, total send up of Family Ties, right? Yeah. That's the Family Ties yeah. theme. Yeah. But and, it's and, just. Yeah. And Family Ties had the same gig on their show where they would color in that picture. And so by yep. the end of the uh, by the end of the opening credits, the, sh- the picture was completely colored in. That was the same exact gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's know like what's a, ha- yeah. <laughs> you know what's happening right now is just we're mirroring the show. We're mirroring WandaVision by rolling the closing credits and then just we just keep going. <laughs> just keep going, man.
It's it's Thanos. We're we're controlling everything. We're stopping the credits. Okay, there Dave. is there is something very meta about the whole show. It's it's la- like the show yesterday was stuff we were literally talking about on our show last week. Like if yeah. you listen to our last week's show and then watch the last night episode, it's fucking mirrors. It's like to a T. It's scary. This is what I think is brilliant about the the creators of the show. Plus, I love the fact that like I'm watching it with Karen, who's not really into the Marvel stuff anymore. We kind of she left that a while ago, but she's like really fascinated. And what drew her in was the sitcom stuff. Mm-hmm. As it starts to build, she's like, "Wow, there's some weird stuff going on." And I'm like, "Yeah, and it's really fucking dark. Like where this might go is re- I mean, the first time you see Vision, I'm like, "Well, this is this is really fucking dark. Like the hole in his head, but it keeps getting darker and darker, even with that lightness all around it. It's like, whoa, the kids and uh, the, the whole Agnes character and the possibility of Mephisto and other dimensions or realms. So one other point, I, one yeah. other point I wanted to raise was, um, <laughs> you know, you got to love a show that that if you really want to understand it, you got to it sends you off to do homework. Right. Like there's so much in this show. If you really want to dig, you don't have to. But if you want to. Boy, you can you can dig for hours, you know, tracking some of these little details that they've given you. And it kind of reflected back to how, um, you know, we've we've grown frustrated with Star Wars. And, you know, you you can't just watch the movies anymore. You got to watch all the TV shows. You got to read the books. You got to read the the children's books. Um, you got to play the video game that gives you the clue. Got to play uh, Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's straight out of the Marvel playbook. Yeah. But but the important difference is, the distinction is, with the Marvel stuff, a lot of this stuff is just a throwaway Easter egg or a reference, and it doesn't have a, a deeper meaning or a deeper import. Like, to Greg's point, yeah, you had to play Fortnite to understand the Dead Speak reference at the opening of The Rise of Skywalker. And if you didn't play Fortnite, well, then fuck you. What are you even doing here? Go spend money on Fortnite and make us a nickel. The Marvel stuff is all kind of... It, not all, but a lot of it is kind of Easter eggs and a second level, hidden level of meaning, like a Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon, as yeah. opposed to Star Wars, where you did have to read all this stuff to understand it. And that's yeah. just not fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I think And that's he, why Karen can enjoy it having never read a Marvel comic, and yeah. Scott can enjoy it having read all the Marvel comics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. I think you can enjoy the show without needing to have that background or understand that stuff because it kind of explains it as it goes along. Now, the first three episodes, uh, uh, I, I still stand by my argument. It would have been hard to get into this just watching the first three episodes alone, you know, better in a binge setting. But like now, I would full, I would fully tell somebody to jump on board now, completely. Well, it, watch, watch all of it to, up, to, up to here and then you're, you're completely fine. It, you know, and it, I still I like where you were arguing that, Greg. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I think we both have come across that point. But here's my problem. We have argued in the past, uh, certainly with Star Wars. And I'm going to pull this reference because this one came up recently. But do we really want Ryan Johnson holding our hand? I mean, that's the whole point of the first three episodes. It's confusing and we're trying to figure it out. And then and we're giving little tidbits, maybe not enough for some people, but enough to be like something's wrong. Something's not right here. And by the third, I'm sorry, uh, fourth episode. Wait, was it third episode? Third episode. We really start to see a break. And then the fourth episode is the full on. We're in outside the reality. Back completely. Yeah. So I, I don't want them holding my hand. We I, certainly me joking about that on the show about the Ryan Johnson stuff. But. I like the fact that it's a mystery and we're trying to solve it and trying to figure it out. It, it intrigues me enough as a deep fan 
to be involved in it, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Were you recording? Did you get to play the, the credits twice? Oh, on our, yeah, uh, no. We're, we are we're in <laughs> We have gone full meta. We are mirroring the show that we are reviewing. Dave, Dave, I know you love the scene when the, the credits start to roll, just like what we're doing right now, but tell me you didn't want to see Vision or one of them or even uh, Scarlet Witch pull pieces of the credits out of the credits and use them almost like magical <laughs> towards each other. Oh, yeah. Sure, but uh, if the Vision's really dead, how is he really even that powerful? This is going to be the shortest fight in the history of fights. That's right. the thing I don't get. There's yeah. something there that we don't quite understand yet. Uh, all right, guys, this is it. We're wrapping this show up. Have a great week. We love you. Thanks for listening. And once again, may the Force be with us all. 